just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The neighborhood is reeling after a bomb threat was called on a drag queen-led story hour. Plus, we've got a scoop for you on the gondola in Little Cottonwood Canyon. Lead producer Emily Means is here to help me make sense of the headlines and to share our picks of the week. It's Friday, September 29th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, Emily Means. Good morning, Ali Vallarta. How you doing? Doing okay. I feel like, you know, we're going into this a little more somber than usual. Yeah. <laughs> that's because the news of the week is not that great. No. Things are rough. You know, you and I debated talking about this bomb threat that was called on the King's English Bookshop over the weekend. Actually, there were two threats that were called in, threats of violence, um, over a story hour led by a drag queen who we've interviewed on this show before, Tara Lipsinki. She also does the, she used to do the best tees all ages drag show at Tizanti. Right. And I mean, in January, the Proud Boys showed up at one of those performances to make incredibly thinly veiled threats of violence. Um, and yeah, Sunday afternoon, there was a drag queen story hour scheduled and Salt Lake City Police Department knocked on the door of the King's English Bookshop in the 15th and 15th neighborhood and said, we need to evacuate this area. A threat has been called. And actually later that afternoon, another, a second threat was called in. And so the neighborhood was on guard. The story hour was called off for the day and employees at that bookstore as well as many other people are just totally reeling and Mm -hmm. went back to work Monday morning pretty shook. Um, And I think like where I'm at on this, which is not often where I find myself with news stories that make me angry, but I do think where I'm at on this right now is like we should be dwelling heavily Mm. on this. We need to spend time on this. Yeah, we need to dwell on this. Like, we need to not stop dwelling on this. Well, Allie, I wanted to note just some data that I thought was interesting in a bad Mm. way from Kyle Dunphy. He's a Deseret News reporter, and he reported that 2023 has seen the highest number of hate crimes against LGBTQ people in Utah in the past five years. And the year is not even over yet. So in 2023, the Department of Public Safety has reported 63 hate crimes uh, against the LGBTQ community here. And for comparison's sake, in 2019, there were four. So a notable increase there. And, 
you know, uh, I think any statistician will tell you that correlation doesn't imply causation. Hmm. But I would like to point out that over the past two legislative sessions in Utah, we have seen lawmakers pass more and more bills and propose more and more bills targeting trans people in this state. And, you know, just as an example, there was the bill that banned trans girls from competing in girls sports. There was one this year that banned some gender affirming care for trans kids. Yeah. And so Utah is not immune to this. No, this is the Utah way, Emily. I mean, here's the thing. Let's imagine for a second that these two bomb threats were called on a jazz game. Let's just imagine for a second. It wasn't a hate crime. It wasn't specifically targeting the LGBTQIA community, right? Members of that community. Do you think not the conversation we would be having statewide would be about the fact that according to FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, a bomb threat is an act of terrorism. I think we would have had Governor Cox having a press conference with Ryan Smith. Correct. Condemning these acts if there was a threat called on a jazz game. Correct. What did we see from Governor Cox regarding this incident, Allie? Anything? From Governor Spencer Cox, co-founder of the Disagree Better initiative, I have seen nothing. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Yeah. And... I think it's important that we connect the dots here, which I've heard certainly people in this community doing since Sunday, but haven't read a ton mm-hmm. of it. And you, you touched on it, Emily, which is the rhetoric, the legislation that is trickling down from Capitol Hill in this state to the ears and minds of Utahns about what it means to be a queer person, you can draw an absolute direct line from the way that our leaders talk about drag queens, talk Mm -hmm. about transgender people, talk about transgender children, and people feeling empowered to make threats against them. Last week, you and I talked about how the Utah legislature audited the state of Utah to figure out what our major genuine crises were here. Things are so bad that the crisis at the Great Salt Lake was a footnote in that audit, okay? Water, education, mental health, housing. Those were the crises that were named in that professional audit. And when the person who is very likely to become the next Speaker of the House, I would argue one of the most powerful roles in this state, Absolutely. given the legislature's veto-proof supermajority, was asked what their number one priority is in this state. They told the Ogden Standard Examiner that there are many areas that merit attention. But, quote, he also puts a focus on social issues, notably with regard to the transgender community. Make sure it's just the girls playing girls' sports, he said, referring to House Bill 11. At the time that HB 11 was being discussed, to my knowledge, there were approximately four trans kids, student-athletes, in this state that wanted to play on sports teams that align with their gender identity. 
Four. Three million people live in Utah. This is bad governance. <laughs> like, let's put aside the fact that we have decided it's okay to dehumanize Utahns. And again, let's not forget the Utah way, all about loving thy neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about who is impacted when a bomb threat is called on a small business. First of all, small businesses. Which are already struggling. Exactly. We had our team meeting on Wednesday morning at a small business. And when we were there, I texted that small business owner and was like, we're here having our team meeting at your little cafe. And she said, thank you so much for coming out to support us. Small businesses across the city are really struggling right now. Okay. So closing for a day, creating a stigma of fear around this community institution, mm -hmm. a local bookshop, right? Creating fear, real fear, not just stigma fear. I should say real fear for everyone on that block, which is full of small businesses, right? right? Like that alone is very impactful. First responders. I mean, in the conversation about what it means for Salt Lake City schools to have hoax threats called in, hoax threats of violence, mm -hmm. one of the things that I found to be the most interesting and disturbing is that when these threats are called, the institutions of first responders across the city immediately go into emergency mode, right? So yeah. like we know that the University of Utah hospital when they get the information that there has been a threat, they begin to prepare to receive people, which means surgeries can be delayed. People are moved down the list for being seen in an emergency room. Like the ripple effect of something like this is incredibly traumatic across our entire community. The job of people in government is good governance. That is their only job, is to make sure that the city and the state are running smoothly, that we have a balanced budget, that we all have what we need to live safe and happy lives and go to work and be quote unquote productive members of society. Like contributing to this kind of action with hateful rhetoric is bad governance. And Ali, it can't just be Democrats who call this out. It's important to hear those statements. And Mayor Mendenhall uh, did make a statement about this threat against the King's English and against uh, this all ages story hour, you know, condemning these actions. But it just kind of like doesn't matter that much in this state mm -hmm. where we have a supermajority Republican legislature. Every single <laughs> You know, statewide office is held by a Republican. We need Republicans to call out these actions. And I don't think we're hearing that. No. And what will it take for us to hear that and for Republicans to have a real conversation about these impacts to our communities, to our public safety, to government processes, like you've pointed out? Um I don't know what it will take. What we need right now as a community is not a everyone is welcome here kind of message. What we need to know is who is responsible for this and what the plan is to keep us safe from them. And you know what? If you call in bomb threats 
on a children's story hour at a neighborhood bookstore, I don't think you should be welcome here. This is not something we can disagree better on, frankly. (laughs) Frankly, Governor Cox, you know, this is something that needs to be called out for what it is, which, uh, Allie, you've named domestic terrorism. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you wanna learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. You know, we're inching our way towards the light here today. So let's talk about some news that is medium bad. (laughs) It's not bad. It's just news. And Allie, we are going to talk about the Little Cottonwood Canyon gondola. And I must confess to you that the gondola is not my issue of choice (laughs) you know you laid out all these uh we've talked about all the crises impacting this state traffic up little cottonwood canyon is frankly like not my most important issue no but uh the gondola is this highly contentious proposal to mitigate traffic up little cottonwood canyon we know that traffic is particularly bad during the ski season uh snowbird and alta are at the top of this canyon Um, But I wanted to tell you something that I learned about the gondola this week. Allie, may I? Please. All right. So I'm going to give a little bit of background first. This this summer, Hoberman Arch. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, carry on. For this week it is, yeah. (laughs) 
What did you learn about the gondola, which is starting to feel more and more inevitable? Yes. So this summer, the Utah Department of Transportation made the official decision to move forward with the Little Cottonwood Canyon gondola. So yeah, it's pretty inevitable. They are moving forward with it in kind of a phased approach. The first phase is enhanced bus service and tolling. The second phase adds trail improvements. And the third phase is the gondola. This project Mm. is going to be really, really, really expensive, like coming up on a billion-ish dollars. I think it's like $700 million or something. And so, you know, they're taking this phased approach. UDOT made this decision after doing an Environmental Impact Statement, or EIS. So there is an organization called the Central Wasatch Commission, and it is made up of elected officials from cities that span the Wasatch front and back. Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall is on it. The Mayor of Mill Creek is on it. The Mayor of Park City is on it. And their main mission is to address a handful of issues that impact the central Wasatch, the mountains that we know and love here. Okay. So they're looking at things like environmental sustainability, transportation, recreation. These are the things that they're concerned with with the Central Wasatch Commission. Got it. So... They sent a long list of concerns about the gondola to UDOT. Concerns like the gondola will result in over-visitation, which is kind of the problem already, right? Hmm. Uh, The gondola might result in impacts to the watershed. And frankly, they just had a lot of unanswered questions, and they want UDOT to answer those questions. Or this is what they said in their public comment. I mean, same. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of unanswered questions about the gondola still. But alas, UDOT decided to move forward with the gondola anyway. So... Now to the news of the week. The Stakeholder Advisory Board for the Central Wasatch Commission met. And this advisory board has like dozens of representatives from a bunch of different perspectives. We've got trails. We've got the ski industry. We've got environmental advocacy. So it's like very clear that their opinions on the gondola really vary among this group. Like there is not unanimous consensus here. But they met and discussed UDOT's responses to a letter of theirs that claims UDOT did not do the environmental impact statement right, and it violated federal processes. So big claims that the advisory board is making here. Wow. Okay. So they are still swinging. Yeah, they're still swinging. And based on these responses from UDOT, the advisory board feels like UDOT is not engaging with the Central Wasatch Commission on this issue, and that the only way to get them to engage is through a lawsuit. (gasps) And they say that UDOT has said as much. Like, we're done talking about this issue with y'all. If you have a problem, bring it up in litigation. Uh, Yeah. So to me, bold move. Bold move all around. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do know... Mayor Monica Zoltansky of Sandy, who is on the Central Wasatch Commission, is a lawyer. So <laughs> so is Mayor Jeff Silvestrini, I think, from Mill Creek. So. Oh, my gosh. OK. OK, so this feels sort of akin to the Sierra Club suing the state of Utah over the Great Salt Lake and saying that they've basically violated the public trust doctrine in not protecting an important natural resource. Do you think this lawsuit would be similar? 
Okay, Allie, great question. I wanted to know if there was precedent for such a lawsuit that, you know, challenged whether an agency made good on their environmental impact statement processes. And Mm. guess what? There is precedent even in Utah. What is it? What is it? It's the Uinta Basin Railway Project. So this is a railroad that would basically like transport fossil fuels in and around Utah. And the Uinta Basin Railway Project is on hold after a court sided with environmentalists who said the federal agency leading that project broke federal law and rushed their EIS process. So there is precedent. But Ali, I have to be clear, like it's not yet the central Wasatch Commission who's saying, oh, yeah, we're going to move forward with this. This is the advisory board. And all they do is advise. Right. Like they don't make decisions for the central Wasatch Commission. But the deadline to challenge UDOT's gondola EIS is December. And so we shall see what the Central Wasatch Commission decides to do. (laughs) That's what I learned this week. That is fascinating. I do feel like the courts are becoming like our junk drawer of terrible ideas in the state of Utah. Like, you know, everyone has that like drawer in the kitchen that you open it up and you're like pliers, a charger from 2006. (laughs) It's like that. Like you open up our like court junk drawer and it's like there's HB 11. There's the abortion (laughs) trigger law. There's the Uinta Basin Railway. Probably soon the like Lake Powell pipeline. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, there's the gondola in the back there. (laughs) Hey, there's my iPhone charger from 2007. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, send it to the courts and we'll just buy time. Oh my God. Okay, what an absolute ride. Well, this feels really interestingly timed with the fact that, because you brought up this phased approach, which right. is supposed to be one of the phases is increase busing and public Mm -hmm. transit, like try and get people on the bus and out of their individual cars to solve the quote unquote red snake problem of traffic up the canyon. But then this week, we got word that the Utah Transit Authority plans to decrease ski bus service even further than it did last year. Right. So where's the enhanced bus service? Right. Where's the enhanced bus service? And like we know that UTA has been struggling with a bus driver shortage, which was part of the problem last year. And we know that, I mean, like, let's be real, not everyone in this city skis. I actually was looking for data on this, and I would love to find some. Like, do we have stats on what percentage of Salt Lake County or Salt Lake City residents actually utilize the resorts? Mm. I would love to see that. Yeah. Paging SLC Economic Development Right yeah. now. <laughs> Attention, your your mother's at the front desk and she'd like to know some data. Um, but like it is interesting to me because I have seen the conversation online around this truncated sort of ski bus service be, well, this is inequitable. Like mm-hmm. the goal should be getting people up the canyons on public transit, which I'm deeply pro. But at the same time, I'm not prepared to call it inequitable because if we do have a bus driver shortage, if we do have a funding issue, it is more important to me that day-to-day people are able Mm. to get to work in every other part of the city than that we are servicing resorts in the canyon. Yeah. So the equity argument is there. I see it. I think it is valid. I'm not prepared to go all in on that quite yet because, again, if... I'm the UTA and I'm making decisions about where to offer service. 
I am going to prioritize getting people in and out of a metro area where they are working in right. droves and probably yeah. not and skiing. Let's let's just point out that UTA services basically the entire Wasatch front, like right. from Utah County all the way up to Weber County, maybe even further. Yeah. And they're busy. Like they got to move people places. They got to mm-hmm. move people along in their commute. Yeah, you're right. It's Weber, Davis, Salt Lake and Utah counties. Right. So they got a lot going on. OK, but Ali, I was thinking about the bus service UTA used to provide up Parley's Canyon to get to Park City, which mm-hmm. they are no longer providing because, again, they have a bus driver shortage. And so what's happening now is... Summit County is providing their own bus service from Salt Lake City to Summit County because they do have a ton of workers, right, Mm -hmm. that come up from Salt Lake City. So is this something that's maybe better handled by the municipalities or, you know, by the county or by the resorts themselves, right? Because we're talking about moving not only, you know, skiers and snowboarders, but also staff up to these resorts. And UTA, I think, is being pretty generous in offering Vanpool for resort workers. But, like, a Vanpool is really limiting because, like, you all got to go up and down together, right? It's not like you can just hop on a bus if you get off work early or something. So, yeah, we shall see how, uh, how people move this winter. And we have seen some private entities try and step in. Like, last year, when the ski bus was a mess and the, you know, videos were all over Twitter of it being absolutely packed and skiers who were along the bus route not being able to even get on the bus after waiting for like an hour. Wasatch Backcountry Alliance, which is their 501c3, they've come out pretty hard against the gondola project. That's kind of, it feels like how they've thrown down. And they started doing like a private van, basically. So they're kind of stepping in to offer an alternative. But yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be messy. I mean, the farmer's almanac, like take it or leave it. But it is predicting a snowy year. <laughs> okay, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> you know what, Emily? Good thing we don't ski. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I think about that all the time. Um, so if people have thoughts on UTA decreasing their ski bus service or just generally on their service across the region. They can comment on UTA's long range transit plan, which is looking at transit for the next 30 years. And the deadline to comment is September 30th. So tomorrow, Saturday. Uh, Tomorrow? Tomorrow. We'll leave the link in the show notes for you. Thank you, Emily, for digging into that. Okay, let's do pick of the week, a real live segment. Um, Before we get out of here, may I go first? Please do, Allie. Uh, My pick of the week is Westminster University, which you might know as Westminster College, recently became Westminster University over in Sugar House, has launched a community clinic where you can get free therapy, free mental health counseling. As we know, finding a therapist, difficult, expensive, confusing, sometimes frustrating. And Westminster University has kind of been looking at the national landscape and the Utah landscape. And they are saying, we do not have enough providers. 
in particular historically targeted populations like the LGBTQIA community are not being served nearly enough with mental health counseling and support. And so they've opened up this free community clinic and they have capacity right now to take up to 70 clients for free mental health counseling. Like on the regular, as a one-off. And I think this is fantastic because of course, I mean, listen, I am personally heavily therapized. (laughs) Frankly, we all are. (laughs) We all are. (laughs) You should see our shared team calendar. But I think it's really important that people are able to access mental health services and in particular mental health counseling that is resident, right? Like to be able to talk to someone who has a shared experience for a lot Mm. of people is really important. Um, So for that reason, I also love seeing this facility on a university campus. So if you want to learn more, we will drop the link in the show notes. You can also just write down this number, 801-832-2910. And call the clinic and maybe swing by. See if you vibe with anyone there. Get some free therapy. Allie, great recommendation. I think that's so cool. I mean, the legislative auditors even noted that mental health is one of the crises in this state. So mm-hmm. surely mm-hmm. there's someone out there who uh, who could use this service. Absolutely. Get some affirming care. Okay, Emily, what's your pick of the week? All right. The Senate race. It's heating up. The U.S. Senate race to uh, replace Senator Mitt Romney, who announced that he... Who? (laughs) We don't know him. Uh, He announced that he will not be seeking a second term. And Mm -hmm. House Speaker Brad Wilson has officially, officially announced he is running for that seat. He's been very Mm -hmm. coy about it. But this week he was like, yep, I'm in. And we were like, yeah, we know, Brad. But uh, yeah, it's official and not official yet. But we're hearing more and more that Congressman John Curtis might be jumping in. So that will make things quite interesting. Which I I predicted. Yes, you did. This is all very interesting. Can I ask you a quick question? Why do you think Brad Wilson wants to be a United States senator? I think he wants to be president. I mean, but his M.O. during his tenure as Speaker of the House has kind of been stealth, 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 like uh, silent but deadly. You know what I mean? He's not a PR stunt guy. He's not a big press conference-y, grandstand-y kind of guy. Like, I don't think the camera loves him. Like, I just don't get those kinds of Politico vibes from him. To me, he's the kind of behind-the-scenes, quietly, incredibly powerful, like, stacking resources. He gets it done in the shadows. Yeah. And to come out of the shadows and pursue such a limelighty role just feels like a real kind of switch to me. Like, it doesn't feel on brand. I mean, I know the guy likes power. But other than that, uh, he probably has more power as Speaker of the House than being a junior senator. You know, be the big fish in the small pond rather than a little fish in the big pond. Is that how it works? I don't know, Allie, but maybe we can ask him. Sure. But listen, the Senate election is next year. Things are just barely getting started. So, you know, eh, we can worry about that later. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we'll have a gondola or a senator first? (laughs) (laughs) A senator for sure. (laughs) Okay. Emily Means, have a fantastic weekend. I will see you on Monday. Thanks, Allie. See you Monday. 
That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria with additional music from all the kimonos. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend.